Hey everybody, welcome to chapter 5. This week, our main points of discussion for this half hour are going to be one, covering the last four chapters. Uh, two, we're going to be talking about distance. Three, we're going to be talking about duration. And four, we're going to be talking about distractions. Distance, duration, and distractions are the three D's that we deal with in dog training. Um, and that's going to be something you're going to combat at all times, whether in home, when we get outside, the outside gets even harder, right? So those three things, uh, if you guys are familiar with uh, math, uh, maybe like pre-calc level, if you are using squared at all, when you go outside, you can do distance squared, duration squared, distraction squared, right? Uh, it's like twice as hard, right? It's distance times distance. That's how hard it is for the dog out there. <laughs> all right, uh, math jokes aside, let's get back to the topics here. So, all right, up to date, we have covered luring, the touch, look, the crate, healing, come, the hide and seek, place slash bed, sit and the capping understanding of capping that is now where we are now is again distance duration distractions and it all really starts tying together i feel like this week um if uh, we were in home and we were working together basically what i do is chapter five or week five hypothetically is when we start working outside right so i'll start i'll go out for our first walk um, I'll remember these past four chapters, the dogs have kind of just been really just going outside, going to the bathroom, coming back in, right? No, no long walks, no crazy hour long walks, no two hour hikes, no, none of that, right? And meanwhile, the dog's dragging you the whole time, but it's on a hike, so it's acceptable. And then when you want to walk on a normal walk, the dog drags you everywhere and you're like, well, why is the dog dragging me everywhere? Well, because it's, it's, it's okay in certain scenarios, but not in others. Um, and as you can kind of tell, dogs are pretty black and white, you know, no, no gray area is best when it comes to animals. Um, you know, on the topic of that, you know, there's a lot of things again that, uh, over the weeks, I think we kind of touched up on and talked about and, uh, you know, I'm still a firm believer in no dog parks. I try to avoid daycares. Um, I don't do dogs on beds and I don't do dogs on couches. I just like to keep those lines nice and clear. No blurry lines. Super simple. Black and white for the dog to understand. I'm a human. I'm on the couch. You're on your dog bed down there, which is pretty comfortable, by the way. And I'll come down there and lay down there with the dog sometimes and hang out on the floor. When it's dog time, I'm on the floor with the dog, right? Um, so... Again, back to the three D's. So distance, duration, and distractions again. So distance is going to be, you know, between me and the dog, right? So if I have the dog sitting in my living room on the place or down on the place and I start walking backwards, looking at the dog, and whenever you're trying to do things with the dog and you're adding distance, make sure you back up while you're staring at the dog. Don't turn your back to the dog. That's hard. Right? So if you want to get to the point where you're going to turn your back to the dog to walk away, you need to train the turn. Just you. So, right, just turning. So standing at the bed, looking at the dog, you're just literally going to make like a half turn right and then turn right back. Like don't even stop for your full step. Just take a half turn to the right and turn immediately back. Don't even stop. Right? Just like whoop, whoop, right back in. Um, or, you know, step that foot in the direction like you're going to turn and then step it right back. Right? And when you do, say yes. 
good stay, right? And that's kind of, again, like how we're going to start shaping the stay. Um, but again, that's, that's distance, right? And we're going to get to stay and wait next week. But um, distance is, again, you know, if I have that dog in a stay, per se, and I back up, you know, one step is distance. I come back in, I reward that. Two steps back, that's distance. If I was to take 20 steps back off the bat to see how far I could go for my dog, then expect the dog to break, right? And that's not what we want. We don't want to always test them off the bat. I'd rather start teaching them something new and then test them maybe when they get into the routine of it here and there. And again, just kind of like establishing that baseline, like, okay, well, the dog can handle, you know, six, seven, eight steps back before it gets up. Right. So maybe I'll take seven steps and I'll get to that eight step where the dog breaks and I'll take a half eighth. So seven and a half steps. And uh, then I just whip that foot straight back and I say yes. And I start moving in immediately. Right. So the dog's confused and now it's stuck on the bed and it was about to get up. And now it's going back down. And when I get back to it, I take my treats in both hands. I put treats in and I go right under its chin, right under its chest and lure it down into the down. I go, yes, good stay. Right. So again, reinforcing that. Another part of distance is how far are we from the house, right? So are we out front? Are we out back? Are we, how far are we from the initial training room, right? Are we upstairs? Are we downstairs? Are we at the corner of the R block? Are we two blocks away? Are we five miles away? Are we 50 miles away? Are we 100 miles away? Do we get on a plane and go somewhere? You know, like that's distance, right? Distance from where the dog wants to be, home, comfortable, you know? Um, so with that said, we'll put a pin in distance and, uh, I mean, really actually, let me, let me not put a pin in it. Let me unpin it. (laughs) So with distance, right, it could be the distance between my dog and an object at once as well, right? Or an object between me and my dog or an object I'm sending my dog towards or to, right? So again, distance is kind of like in all directions, So just start thinking like really outside of the box, how things correlate to training. So duration, how long are you asking your dog to wait somewhere? How long are you asking it to stay? How long are you asking it to go to bed for? You know, how long are you leaving it in the crate? Uh, How long are we training for? You know, now training is, uh, how how long is it? You know, have have we been training for 10 minutes and now the dog is is burnt out? Is Is he shot? Um, was I moving really fast to training and had a really good fluid lesson and now the dog's just sitting here panting like it just walked those two miles, right? Because again, we work out their brains, don't work out their bodies. If you're working out the dog's body, just expect the body to get stronger and now you're going to, you know, you initially were walking the dog three miles and you were built for three miles and all of a sudden the dog needs four and five. Now what are you going to do? You know, at the end of the day, you could have been training that dog, get those repetitions in mind, not in muscle of dragging you down the street. And I always make the joke, uh, whenever you see dogs dragging people down a leash, especially when they're on like any sort of corrective collars, um, (laughs) I always tell people, you know, it's like 50 shades of dogs. Um, so some of you out there will get that reference. Uh, maybe some of you won't. But um, with that said, you know, it's, it's really like even when your dog's dragging you on a walk, how long is the, dur- the duration of that dragging? Um, dogs love to pull. You know, they're gaining ground. They're, they're, they're choking. They're being asphyxiated. Um, they're winning. They're getting what they want. Um, eventually, they love to be, you know, choked. Like they, they, they like to be, as they're pulling you down the street, they're winning. You know, they're, get, they're getting ground. And sometimes people, I've seen people with uh, dogs that are like 10 or 15 pounds, they're, they probably weighed, you know, 185, 205 muscle, and the dog will start pulling in a direction. They start, like, tiptoeing after the dog. They're like, oh, he's pulling me. I'm like, 
all right, so should just stop, stop right now. I'm like, so how much do you bench press? And they're like, yeah, you know, three, four, four, five hundred, whoever, whatever the number is, right? And I'm like, all right, so you're telling me that that dog right there can bench three, four, five hundred. And they're like, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, so you're telling me that this 10 pound dog can pull you down a street? And they're like, all right, all right I see what you just did there. <laughs> right? Um, and again, I want people thinking, right? Like the dog's not going anywhere. Dogs will lead you to oblivion. So don't let the dog dictate where you're going. You have to let the dog know where you are going. Dogs aren't stopping and sniffing everywhere. That's, that's bad behaviors because it's just building up their neuroticness or what they're smelling hormones or, you know, some dogs are in fear. Some dogs are in heat. The last thing we need is a dog in heat. That's, that's just fights all the way around. Um, you know, so stop them from that. And then uh, you have to worry about stuff here in Philadelphia. You have to worry about needles. <laughs> you have to worry about chicken bones. You know, you have to worry about all these things. And, uh, while we're on the topic of bones for anybody out there who doesn't know, uh, you cannot give dogs cooked bones, none, no cooked bones, no chicken bones, no chicken breast bones, no nothing, nothing. If it's been cooked, they cannot have them. If they are raw bones, they can have them. So maybe try to contact your, you know, your local, um, Amish market or, you know, like your local farm farmer's market and see who's got, you know, the meat, the beef, um, and seeing if they're chopping up bones, you know, uh, we have a guy over here in New Jersey called the dog bone guy. He rides around with two Bernese mountain dogs. It's like a signature, you know, it's his, uh, brand dude's awesome. Again, no sponsorships. <laughs> um, but yeah, so say you guys go out to eat, right? How long are you going out to eat with the dog there? Um, you go for a car ride. How long? If you go on a flight, how far? How long? Um, and again, I have, uh, if you guys go online and check some of the blogs, I have uh, a couple blogs I've written out on like, you know, basically traveling with your dogs and uh, some other things. So go check those out when you can. Um, I figured I'd make a plug along the line somewhere here for you. <laughs> Check out the FAQ section too. And if there are any questions, uh, really though, please do um, get back to us with any questions you guys do have so far or about dog training or about anything, website, company, anything involved. Uh, if we can get it on that FAQ, the better. All right. So we've covered distance. We've covered duration. And as actually, I want to make a key point on duration, right? So say we have the dog in bed or we have it in place. Um, initially we have to tell them to stay, right? So we'll, we'll say place. The dog goes to place. We, we get them on there. We say, yes, good place. Um, once the dog's on there, so instead of rewarding back to back to back really quick with treats, I'll give a treat and then I'll pause for a couple of seconds and I'll give a treat. And I'll pause for a couple of seconds and I'll give a treat. So now it's not just an immediate treat. Now I'm adding two seconds, right? So if I wanted to, you could start changing up the amount of treats that you're re rewarding a dog and win. So this is called basically a variable treat reinforcement schedule. And this is basically where sometimes I'll give the dog three treats right away. Then I'll give him one and then I'll give him two. Then I'll give him five and then he gets none. Right? Or sometimes he'll do something and he'll get five. He'll get this. He'll get that. The one thing I do want to make clear is when a dog doesn't like doing something, I always pay them a lot for that specifically. Right? So say my dog hates stay. Every time I ask you to do stay, I'll make sure you get six treats then. Right? Until you get really good at it. And what you're going to see is the things that they get paid for the most, they'll start offering a lot. 
right? And then there, it's kind of, it gets annoying <laughs> at some point, and you're like, all right, this is kind of annoying now, now, and now he doesn't stop, right? So then you stop enforcing, or I'm sorry, reinforcing it so heavily. Now you take it down from six treats to one treat or two treats and see how they do and kind of level it out and then start focusing on the other command that they might not specialize in the most, you know? Alrighty, so moving on to distractions. So distractions could be in our house. It's dead silent, just like this right now while I'm recording this podcast. Dead silent, and then all of a sudden you hear a bark from a dog down the street outside. And even though it's down the street and you know it, I know it, and the dog knows it, the dog's ear still focuses on it. And even if the dog's still staring you straight in your face, and its right ear is facing the window, or left ear is facing the window, and it and its ear twitches or moves in that direction, the dog noticed it, right? That's clear. We can see that. That's visible. That's physical distinguishment that your dog saw something, all right? So that's a distraction. So say it's two dogs. Say it's three dogs. Say it's five o'clock and everybody's getting home and the whole neighborhood of dogs is going off. Say the UPS truck goes by. Say the FedEx truck goes by. By the way, both those brakes sound different. Air brakes and disc brakes. Right? So each one of these things your dog notices. And while we sit here and we're like, oh man, look at this dog. You want to focus? You want to do this? Like there's a lot going on that we're asking them to adapt to. This is, this is a, a, quite an era to be alive in. <laughs> we're, we're moving into flying cars. If you guys haven't haven't noticed, uh, you guys might want to check that out. <laughs> um, but you know, I always make the joke with my clients, and I'm, I'm you know, it's more of like a, a I'm serious kind of joke, you know, like don't don't let me catch you guys Netflixing and chilling with dogs. That's that's not that's not what dogs are meant for, you know. Like yes, the emotional support animals, but emotional support emotional support for what? Emotional support to get back outside to live your life to see the world, you know, be live, be active, meet up, see other people, see other things, experience other cultures, experience foods, all that. That's what your dog's supposed to be there for, to get you out into society when sometimes it's just harder to talk to people. I was at that point myself at one point, you know, so uh, I speak from personal experience there. You know, dogs kind of paved the way for me back to humans. Um, you know, when I came out of the military, things were a little bit rougher. And, uh, you know, my dogs were the, like the clear cut answer to everything for me. You know, if I, if I don't want to stay somewhere for too long, I'm like, Hey, gotta go home. Gotta get the dogs out. Hey, gotta go feed the dogs. Hey, gotta, you know, it was, it's like the perfect excuse. But at the same time, when did I start using that excuse as a reason to stop living my life? Um, so at some point, you know, uh, as much as your dog can be a way to get you back to your mental health, um, it can also end up being detrimental. And uh, on that same note, I always tell people, be very aware of your dog and don't ever fool yourself. Your dog is an animal. Uh, it's got teeth and claws and they can become a physical, financial, emotional, and uh, legal liability, right? So never, never think twice, right? Um, always keep it real with your dog and they'll keep it real with you is what I tell people. Uh, <laughs> it's when you start, you know, painting them up and pretending like there's something they're not that's when they typically have a problem fitting in or getting along or understanding the rules so again getting back to distractions uh, a distraction could be a firework it could be a car tire uh, hitting a bump or popping or blowing you know uh, it could be a muffler smacking off the curb it could be you know a motorcycle ripping by a Harley Davidson you know real real choppy engines and each one of those kinds of freaks dogs out um, 
you know, I've, I've seen dogs who just can't handle a specific set of things going back to back to back, uh, usually like three in a row. And then the dog would like redirect, right? So it would be like, it would be overloaded. The first thing would scare it. Second thing would really scare it. Third thing, it would really, really be scared. And then all of a sudden it would just like look around, find another dog and just try to get it or a person, whatever the case, right? So that's just energy, remember? Like the sound with their ears are everything, right? Remember what I said with, um, you know, feed them that energy with your voice, right? It's the same thing. It's your ears. It's their ears. So try to make your commands like punchy and sharp, you know, like, yes, come, good, touch. You know, again, very sharp, not like touch, touch. You know, like I'm not coming to you if, you're, if you sound like that. Come come on like nobody nobody's coming to that <laughs> another thing is too i know we already covered it but uh one of the things that i've realized in the past about the come command uh, let me just throw this topic in there uh is in the past i've seen a lot of people call the dog to come 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 and it gets louder and they scream deeper and deeper and deeper and now it's fear-based right now the dog comes back and then, then the dog comes back and they they smack it or yell at it and I'm like, well, do you think the dog's going to come back the next time? You know, like that's why that's why we train this into a positive scenario over and over. You know, what are you thinking? It just doesn't make sense, right? So anyway, back to distractions. Uh, you know, distractions could be Christmas time. You could be maybe going to Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that with your dog or somewhere that allows dogs to go. And all of a sudden there's a Santa Claus out front with a jingle bell trying to collect donations freaks your dog out you know maybe the bell right so before the holidays even come you can start preparing your dog for these distractions right as long as you have positive training and you've been doing all this stuff right here um and again positive training is not the end-all be-all to training some dogs take it and it's beautiful and it works for them magically other dogs have to be on medication and need training other dogs just need medication other dogs just need training and other dogs just may not even have a shot right so not every dog is built the same. Again, this course is like one, one one hundredth of the, the puzzle of dog training as a whole, right? I'm just giving you guys like the basics here. Um, and again, like distractions are other dogs again. Like, so if you're in the park and there's a dog that shows up and your dog's just staring at that dog the entire time you're trying to train, just leave. I mean, and I mean that, I'm serious. It's not even a joke. Just leave. Uh, because your dog's fixated on the other dog it's not ready um and what you do is you don't get upset you don't get mad i've literally driven an hour and a half somewhere showed up and my dog acted like a fool as soon as i got there and i literally put it in the car turned around and drove an hour and a half home all right and i'm i'm that serious because there was no calming down right i knew that dog very well um and, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's not beneficial to let the dog sit there in a neur neurotic state for hours while that event carried going. Like, what what would the outcome of that be? The, the blowout and the mental, like, disarray of that for the next few days at home could be, could be you know, terrible. <laughs> like, um, but, all righty, guys. So, again, covering distractions. The point is you're really, like, introducing these things slowly. So if you have YouTube or if you have Spotify, or if you have the uh, Echo device, or, you know, any of those things, if you have any of these things, really, at the end of the day, you have the ability to play sounds. If your dog doesn't like doorbells, if it doesn't like sounds of cats, if it doesn't like any of those things, you could literally be in the middle of training, 
training, training, keeping it fluid, the touch, the look, you know, all these things. And then all of a sudden, you just, hey, so-and-so, play sounds of blah, blah, blah. So maybe doorbells or uh, lawnmowers, whatever the case, play those sounds. Or you find it on YouTube, put it on. Um, or, you know, you can put on the, <laughs> the AKC National Dog Show if your dog visually doesn't like other dogs and can't handle it. And you start playing it and, you know, you'll pause it. So train, 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 play. All of a sudden your dog focuses on it. You let him, you let the dog break. You stop trying to give it commands and then you pause it and then you stop it or you turn off the TV, right? No visual anymore. You take it away. You controlled that scenario. You fed them all that energy and now it's gone just like that. And then you start training them again. You refocus that energy, right? That's capping. All right. So that's how we're going to start proofing them off of distractions. And then eventually what you're going to see is like, eventually they just don't even care because you'll be like, oh, well, you know, mom turns it off. Dad turns it off. Whoever, whoever turns it off, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, our goal is to kind of like proof them off of these little distractions one at a time. So one of the ways that I used to explain this concept was, and I try to get away from a lot of the philosophies and analogies that I used to, you know, based on like being prior military, I always had them revolving around, um, you know, their insecurity, whether it was weapons training, etc. But, you know, when it comes to gunfire training, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, you know, again, for like any kind of working dog or dogs around gunfire or dogs who are hunting dogs, um, they're, they're, they start shooting from miles away with blanks, right? And they're just firing the gun off. They have walkie-talkies, and the dog is basically, you know, a mile away, and the dog will hear the ripple of the echo from that shot ring out for a mile. And they're there, and they're sitting there, and the guy's training, training, training. All of a sudden, they go on the radio. He goes, okay, go. Boom. Firing goes off. The dog hears it. They pause dog looks starts thinking wondering and as soon as you start seeing their brain spinning that's when you start training again right and then train 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 time goes by again okay go again boop another shot goes off okay train 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 right until the dog forgets until the dog calms down um one of my personal things with dogs is i firmly believe that when a dog shakes off it is de-stressing um, and when a dog is stressing, you're going to see it do some specific different things, right? Um, I can give you a few of them right here off the top of my head. One is lip licking. So you'll see it lip lick, like literally licking its lips. Like it just had a nice little like piece of pizza or something licking its lips, um, out of nowhere, it starts sniffing the floor out of nowhere, it starts sniffing, pretending like it just smelled something like a ghost just farted. <laughs> And they're sniffing around. They're like, do you guys smell that? you smell that over here? Like, no, there's nothing there. All right. The other thing a dog can do is literally pace. It can get up, walk away, remove itself, try to add distance. Um, and, and I mean, truthfully, at the end of the day, there's so many things. It's not even funny. And when I really try to like narrow them down, you can see their ears usually tuck back. Their tail goes under, under their like curls under their stomach and the further that tail goes, if it's touching their stomach, like literally touching under their belly, they're protecting their genitalia, so they're freaked out, right? So it's when dogs' tails are tucked under their stomach, stay away from them. And also on topic, 
When a dog's tail is wagging, it doesn't always mean it's friendly, right? How fast is it wagging? How stiff is it? Etc. So if it's not a long, nice, slow, flowy wave, you better stay away from that dog. And even then, don't trust every single dog, right? If it's not your dog, don't pet it. Ask if you want to pet somebody's dog. Keep it simple. All right? So, again, distractions could also be people in the house. A distraction could be me in the middle of training and the your spouse or partner or whoever is walking around, is cooking, is watching TV. The TV itself could be a distraction. Consider your dog um, a, a child with ADHD uh, in a nutshell, right? And I'm an adult with ADHD, so uh, I can tell you from experience uh, it's kind of like, hey, ooh, shiny, ooh, squirrel, ooh, shiny, ooh, squirrel. Um, so that's all the time, <laughs> whether I'm professionally working or whether I'm in college or whether I'm doing taxes, etc. Whatever, whatever I'm doing, relationship therapy, whatever it is, lifting, anything. Um, I am constantly multitasking. People are like, wow, how do you do it all? And I'm like, I don't have a choice, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't stop. Um, so I'm constantly distracted by things, but. Uh, if I focus on one of those things for a while, then that specific task becomes less stressful to me. So if I have time to master the little things, everything around me kind of gets a little bit easier because I have a routine, right? And that's really what we're doing for your dogs. We're giving them structure. We're giving them routine. We're giving them like, this is the, this is the plan. This is, this is the blueprint every day at this time we'll be training. Um, sometimes I'll take you here. Little by little, you know, maybe every second week you guys try a new place. Maybe you find some new outdoor restaurants that accept dogs. Um, and if you guys do have restaurants and stuff like that out there, please do um, tag us uh, Instagram at HD Dog Training. Tag us when you go out to eat. Uh, use the tag, at the at symbol, and then also same post. Use the hashtag HD Dog Training too, please. Um, because we want to know where these places are. You know, we, when we do these meetups, uh, and you guys, uh, if you're in the area, you will have meetups. Our next step is the actual course, right? So with that said, uh, don't quit on us, hang in there. And I promise you, we're going to have you guys something even more amazing than this stuff, right? So again, a lot of the dog topics we'll talk about here are going to be part of that bigger course. Um, this is, um, consider this a baby course. Um, or the essentials of dog training, if you will. Maybe not even the one-on-one course. Because, uh, again, there's going to be so much. And I want to make sure that you guys have a lot of video footage, so the course is going to be much more broken down. But enough about the course to come in the future. More back to this. <laughs> um, so, again, this week we talked about the distance, duration, and distractions. And at the end of the day, what you guys need to do to keep your dog's focus is be the most interesting factor in the room right if another dog shows up or three other dogs show up then guess what you better look like bozo the clown and try to figure it out and get your dog's attention and start dancing on your head um, to have them pay attention to you over those other dogs but that is your goal right that is your entire purpose when you know that your dog doesn't care a single second about anything around you or about other dogs or whatever that's an amazing feeling 
that's 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 an accomplishment so when you see people in the park whose dogs are off leash and they're training and they don't care about anybody or anything you should stop and shake that person's hand give them a high five and be like wow you did a lot of work because it is this is a daunting process this takes a long time but it is extremely rewarding right so nothing is overnight fast results will always be erased very quickly anything fast is always fast to come fast to go right i've heard that since i was little and um you know, at the end of the day, uh, it was a concept in relation to money. Um, but you know, really when you sit there and you think about these things, they kind of all make sense to us as humans too, right? So anything we're doing with dogs, try to apply this to your life, see how it works, right? If you can't study, separate something, pull a topic, a specific one, start studying a little plan. At least you started something somewhere, right? Alrighty guys. Thanks for tuning in this week and we will see you next chapter. Take it easy.